into church, I learned two things. Well, actually, I'll, I'll put a third in there. I don't know if it really counts. Um, anybody want more snacks? Anybody want more? If you want more, we can get you more. We have plenty. More snacks? Okay. Um, I, rem- I knew two things. Number one, I got excited to go to church because she would give me Ritz crackers. I also knew that she loved me. And there was a third thing that I'm going to throw in there that was, it's a little questionable, but the third thing was they had this really, now most people in the room aren't going to know what this is, but a few of you will relate. They had this really cool thing. I think the technical term for it is flannel graph or something like that. So they would take these like little things and they would stick them on this board and they would tell a story. I, I don't remember, honestly, I don't really remember any of the stories, but I remember that this lady loved me and that she gave me Ritz crackers. And now, to this day, if I eat a Ritz cracker, you know what I think about? I think about God, and I think about this lady who loved me. And so it's interesting to me how different things God can use in our life. And we're going to look at an interesting story today. And as you read scripture, I think you see that God uses all kinds of things in our life to point us to him. And so we're going to look at bread today. Um, Jesus talks about light. He uses water. He uses all kinds of physical examples to point himself, point us to himself. And I think as we look at that, it's going to be interesting. If you brought your phone, um, you can use your phone and go to Uversion, and there's some notes that you can use there. If you go to Uversion and you go to the tab that's on the left and you just search for live events and search for the well Austin, there'll be, uh, you can follow along, or you can just type this link into your browser and you can follow along with what we talk about today. So as we look at this, and if you brought your Bible, a physical Bible, you can turn to John chapter 6, and we're going to look at a fairly lengthy part of this. We're not going to look at the whole thing. We'll look at the, the second half of it next week. But John chapter 6 is really interesting. It is such a difficult teaching. Uh, this is, I guess, my opinion. It is such a difficult teaching that by the end, and we won't look at this, but by the end, in verse 66, we'll look at this next week. But there's a bunch of people gathered around Jesus, and, I, and this is such a difficult teaching that it says that most of his disciples left him. So all these people that are following, they want to learn about him. They want to see what's going on. By the end of him explaining what this is about... Most of them leave. So that leads me to the conclusion that this must be a rather difficult teaching, okay? So John chapter 6 is where we're at. Um, And we'll start reading in verse 1. In verse 1, it simply says this, After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Now, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, um, and if you weren't, let me just give you a quick overview. That's not necessarily a good thing, okay? So there were people who were following Jesus because they wanted to see him do something. They wanted to see um, a healing. They wanted to see... this is my terminology, not the Bible, but they wanted to see the circus. They wanted to see the craziness. They wanted to see the signs and wonders. And so people were following him around. And as we learned a couple of weeks ago in John chapter four, that it wasn't necessarily a good thing, that they just they wanted to see the signs of Jesus more than they actually wanted to see Jesus, okay? And in John chapter two, and uh, I don't, this isn't going to show up on the screen, I don't think, but John chapter two and verse 22, uh, it kind of gives us Jesus' example here, and he says that many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing, 
But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people. So he's like, I know these people are coming because they just want to see the signs and they don't really want to see me. And so that's what's going on here. People are gathered around and they just want to see Jesus do a miracle. So in verse 3, Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat down with his disciples Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing the large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Now we're going to come back to this in just a moment. But there's, use your imagination if you have one. If not, let me paint a brief picture for you. But tons of people, they're just starting to gather around. They're hearing, they're hearing people talk. Hey, this guy, Jesus does incredible stuff. Let's go check him out. And so tons of people are gathering around. There's people everywhere. And as people gathered around, Jesus looks up and he asks his disciples, what are we going to do? I find that's an interesting question that Jesus would ask, right? Like, shouldn't he already know what he's going to do? But he asks the question, and then he, he goes on to tell us that he does know, but he asks the question, where are we going to get food for all these people? Where are we, where's it going to come from? Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. He's like, even if we put together all of our resources, we're not going to be able to provide enough food for these people to eat. Um, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. At this point, I was hoping that some of you would chuckle a little bit that we passed around bread and fish. Um, But maybe it didn't do anything for you. So, because maybe you don't like those little red fish. Um, This morning, we only had one of each, and they multiplied, and we have plenty for everyone. That's not really what happened. We just went to Walmart. But, um, so one of his disciples says, hey, there's this, there's this boy over here, and he's got a little bit of bread, and he's got a little bit of fish, but there's not enough for everybody. There's not enough. In verse 10, Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was, uh, there was much grass in this place. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. So there's a lot of people. There's more than 5,000. It just says that there's 5,000 men. So there's a lot of people. Um, I don't know if you've ever tried to do anything with 5,000 people, but it's rather difficult, okay? So like, you know, where are you gonna, how do you line up? Where do you go through the, the buffet line? How does that all work? And so it's gonna be a rather difficult thing for them, but there's 5,000 people. Have them sit down in the grass. Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. So they start passing out the stuff, and there's plenty of bread, and there's plenty of fish, and I... Just guessing, but it was probably better than the bread and fish that you had this morning. But it's so they're passing it out, and people eat all that they want. It's not like they're they're rationing it out. They eat a lot, and everything's going well. Um, and when they had eaten their fill, he told the disciples, "Gather up the leftover fragments, and nothing may be lost." So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with the fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, so the the 5,000 people that that had come to see something, they've now seen something that was incredible. This indeed, the prophet who is to come into the world, 
Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. So all of these people, they see this miraculous thing and they say, this guy is the prophet. This guy, let's make him king. Now it says that Jesus didn't really want any part of that and he leaves. Quick question. I'm just going to make a few observations. We won't be here long this morning, but just a couple of observations. Isn't Jesus the prophet? Isn't Jesus the king? And yet something happens. These people say, that's him, that's him, that's him. And he's like, that's not me. I'm out. And he leaves. He's gone. He goes to be up in the mountains by himself because he realizes they're about to do something that I didn't come for. And so the, the biggest thing that I don't want you to miss today is simply this. It's possible to be excited about Jesus, but not really the true Jesus. Like they were excited. They were excited. Jesus Okay, as we read this scripture, Jesus is right in front of them, the real Jesus, okay? This isn't the, the plastic Jesus from the manger scene. This isn't some um, pretend Jesus. This is the real Jesus in front of them. And they say, that's him. Let's make him king. Way to go. Good job. Do some more miracles for us. It's cool. And Jesus says, no, I'm out. I think it's a cautionary tale for you and me. And it's simply that we can be excited about Jesus and yet it be the wrong Jesus. And I think what happens in our society is people put Jesus uh, on a banner and they march around and say, this is what Jesus is about. And it has nothing to do or only partly to do with what Jesus is really about. And so the cautionary tale as we look at the, the first part of the scripture is let's just make sure that we don't get excited about the wrong Jesus. Because I think if we're not careful, we do exactly what they do and we just see Jesus as being useful. I think that's what was going on here. They saw Jesus as being useful. They see that Jesus gave them food, right? Which is really interesting. I mean, we don't have time to look at how many different times in scripture, but as you read the scriptures, you see that multiple times when the disciples are involved, food is involved. I mean, I, you know, I guess it's just a group of guys getting together and they're always wanting to eat. I'm not really sure what's going on there. But in this case, the disciples and, and these 5,000 plus people, they see Jesus as useful. If we, can, if we can make Jesus king, he'll give us more food, that's what they were, let's just be honest, that's what they were thinking. If we can just make Jesus king, and matter of fact, we're not going to look at it today, we'll, we'll explain it a little more next week, but in verse 26, we're, we're, just let me read it real quick, it's not going to show up on the screen, I don't think, but Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Like, you're, you're wanting to come follow me just because you're hungry again. Like, you just want me to give you more fish and more bread. And what happens in your life and in my life, if we're not careful, is we don't see Jesus for being Jesus. We see Jesus as being useful. Like, Jesus could get me a better job. Jesus could get me a new car. Jesus could give me better health. Jesus could give me a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Jesus could help me get married. And we see Jesus as useful, and it's not that Jesus is against those things, but Jesus says, I didn't come just so that you could have things. I came so that you could see that I want to be Lord of your life. And we just see him as useful. Let me, let me see what Jesus can get me. 
What can, he, what can he get me? And I think that sometimes if we're not careful, we miss the point. He didn't come to meet your appetite. He came to give you a completely new appetite. Like, don't miss that. He didn't come to meet your appetite for whatever. And we have a huge appetite for stuff, right? He didn't come to meet your appetite. He came to give you a whole new appetite, an appetite that's only for him. And so if we're not careful, we just simply make Jesus useful. I want to go back and look at a couple of interesting things. In verse 12 and 13, so right after they had passed out all of the food and people had all that they wanted to eat, in verse 12 it says, and then they had eaten their fill, he told the disciples, gather up the leftover fragments and nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled the 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had, been, who had eaten. It could be simply by chance that we see in there that there's 12 baskets of food. Could be. But I think there's something specific there. And sometimes when we think basket, we only think to what we just recently saw. And so you saw before you a basket of bread and a basket of cheesy little candy fish go in front of you. And so now when we use the term basket, you think basket. It doesn't say what size the basket is. This is just speculation on my part, okay? So just go with me. This is my imagination. You know those big baskets with the handles? Like you got to use two hands to pick them up. What if it was that kind of basket? And there's 12 baskets. So each of his disciples are carrying around this basket full of stuff. Now, I don't know for sure. I mean, bread, our bread in general was mostly air, so it's fairly light, but maybe their bread was a little more dense, so it's a little heavier. I don't know, you know, how much of it was bread and how much of it was fish. It doesn't say specifically, but it just says there's pieces left over. And so if it's a pretty big basket, okay, it's kind of heavy. I mean, I know it's not heavy for you, but for an old guy like me, it's heavy. So, but just think about it. They're carrying around this basket and I suspect that they're overwhelmed. And I think that one of the things that Jesus is attempting to teach them and is attempting to teach you and me is that sometimes in our life, we give and give and give and we don't think that we have anything left to give. And Jesus says, if you'll live life my way, I'll always be there for you and I will always provide you with more than you need. Now, what you do and what I do when we hear that, Jesus is going to provide us with more than what we need, we jump to conclusions and we think, I need a bigger house. I need a better job. My car is really crappy and I could use a better car. But I don't think that that's exactly what Jesus is trying to do here. And he's trying to communicate, okay, Ultimately, what happens, and, we, and we'll look at it next week specifically, but ultimately what happens, most of these people, they leave Jesus because he starts explaining, what, is this, what does this mean? I'm offering you bread, but not the bread that you think. And Jesus did the same thing. Remember uh, a few weeks ago, we, we talked about the woman at the well, and Jesus came and said, I want to give you water that makes you thirst no more. And the lady's like, but you don't even have a bucket, and what happens in this scenario is Jesus is using another common thing that they see all the time. And he's like, I want to give you real bread. Not just 
fake bread, not just to fill your stomach, stomach, but I want to give you real bread. And as they go through this, they're reminded that Jesus gives us more than we actually need. And so he gives us more than we need. He gives us, he will always be enough. And then, it, and then I want us to skip to verse 16. So there's, if I remember right, I don't remember, 70 plus verses in chapter six. And the majority of them are talking about this bread and Jesus explaining what this means and, and giving the illustration. But right kind of in the, in the middle there, starting in verse 16, is, is another miracle. And it doesn't really explain it a whole lot, but basically what happens in verse 16, it says, when evening came, so all of this had taken place, Jesus gets away because they want to make Jesus king, and in their mind, when they want to make him king, they just want to be liberated and they want free food. But Jesus says, I don't want any of that. He leaves, he goes into the mountains. In verse 16, when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across uh, the sea of Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. So in their mind, they're like, we're on a mission. We've got to go somewhere. They go to the, the water. They get in the boat. This, they start taking off. The, and it says in verse 18, the sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, it is I do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. So the disciples get in the boat, they start going out, the water starts getting rough, and Jesus isn't there. He's like still in his little powwow in the mountain. He's gone, he's not there. And the water starts getting rough. And what's interesting is it doesn't, as far as we know, as we read this, these few verses are smack dab in the middle of this teaching about bread, okay? And the only people that seem to encounter this miracle are the disciples. Now, let's just put this all together. So they just said, how are we gonna feed all these people? Jesus multiplies a few pieces of bread and a few fish and they feed all these people and they have 12 baskets that these 12 guys carried. There was something tangible there, they saw this. These 12 guys carried this stuff. Now they're in a boat and they're scared. Nobody else seems to ever actually even hear about this miracle. So it's, it's just for you and me and it was just for those 12 guys. And one of the interesting things is simply this. Jesus wanted to show them once again I'm enough for you. Why are you all freaked out? I'm enough. And it doesn't say this, but if, if I'm one of the disciples, I, I'm putting myself into their place, I'm thinking, was the, sorry, the ADD moment has nothing to do with what we're talking about when I did that. You know what I thought of? Was the V8 commercial that stupid? You know what I'm talking about? Um, I would have had one of those moments. I'm like, why do I continually doubt this man? I just saw him do this. I carried the baskets. Now I'm scared. Why should I be scared? And I think Jesus is saying, I'm always going to be with you. I'm going to be enough for you. 
even when times get rough, even when times get rocky, even when it seems like if it was up to you, this isn't what you would be going through, I'll be enough. These 12 guys, he wanted to prove to them that he was going to be enough. I think sometimes that either it happens accidentally or maybe sometimes on purpose, but the church sometimes miscommunicates that Jesus came to give you an easy life. Jesus did not come to give you an easy life. Jesus came to give you an eternal life. There's a difference. And sometimes we get this idea that, or sometimes somebody has portrayed it to us wrongly, but if I'll just say yes to Jesus, if I'll just follow Jesus, then he's going to make my life easy. To be honest, I wish that was true, right? Wouldn't that be great? If I just said yes to Jesus, my life is going to be easy. But Jesus is teaching us with bread and water this morning that he's going to be enough. Is it always going to work out the way that we would want? Is it always going to happen the way that we would desire? No. But he's trying to teach you and me that it's going to be enough. It's going to be enough. I want to look at one other interesting thing. And if you haven't paid attention up to this point, that's cool. But maybe pay attention right here. Verse 6. Jesus said, so we're backing up. Jesus said to Philip, so this is before, we're, <laughs> we're rewinding. If I could make a rewind sound, I would do that. I don't know what that sounds like, but a rewind sound. And we're rewinding to verse 6, okay? So None of these two miracles have happened. Nothing has taken place other than Jesus hanging out. Jesus has been doing some teaching. Um, There's a bunch of people gathered around, 5,000 plus people. Everybody's getting hungry. Verse 6, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? So Jesus asked him, how are we going to do this? Seems like an odd question, right? How, Philip, how are we going to get enough? I mean, it's like if you ever were to have a pop quiz from Jesus, this is it. Like, Philip, how are we going to do this? And then it says, he said this to test him for he himself knew what he would do. Like he already knows the answer, which is a little frustrating, don't you think? Like if I'm Philip, I would be like, Jesus, come on, just tell me. But it says that he's testing him. He already knows what he's going to do. And he just asks him, Philip, how are we going to accomplish this? What are we going to do? How can we make this happen? And he already knew what he was going to do. He was testing Philip. Maybe he's testing you right now. Just like he was testing Philip. He already knows what he's going to do in your life, but maybe he's testing you. And what happens in your life and in my life, and I'm just going to be straight with you, what happens in your life and in my life is too many times I want stuff from Jesus more than I want Jesus. And maybe he's asking you, how are, you gonna, how are we going to do this? And he just wants you to say, however you want, Jesus. <laughs> maybe a better response would be, Jesus, I have no idea. But whatever you want to do is good with me. But we don't like to say that to Jesus. We want it to be our way. Like basically, here's what we do most of the time, let's be honest, especially those of us that are 
more planners by nature. Like we develop our plan, right? We develop our plan and Jesus, here's our 10 steps to accomplish this, whatever this happens to be. Here's our, here's our 10 steps. This is what we're gonna do. This is how we're gonna accomplish it. Here, Jesus, now make it happen. We treat Jesus more like a butler in the sky than we do Jesus. And I think that that's the main thing that we wanna take away from today is it's possible to be excited about Jesus, but it's the wrong Jesus. They were excited about Jesus, but when he started explaining to them what it really meant to follow him, most of them left. And I don't want to speak for you. I'm just telling you about in my life, most of the time, I find myself wanting stuff from Jesus more than I want Jesus. And that's a bad place to be. And so maybe today that's where you're at. It's a great time of year, isn't it? Like I love this time of year simply because it's just a natural built-in reset button, right? So to be honest, it doesn't matter all that much how great you were or how horrible you were or how well you did or how poorly you did in this past year because you had a chance to start over. I like that, right? It's good to start over. And today and for the next few days, you get a chance to think about, do you love Jesus because he gives you stuff or do you love Jesus? You get a chance to think about, what does he want you to do? What does he want you to become? How does he want you to go about living your life? And so let's just pretend. Can we pretend? Let's just pretend for a moment. Instead of having your piece of paper with your 10 steps on it or how many ever you have, your 101 steps or whatever, just get a blank piece of paper out. Like start fresh. Jesus, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to do it? And more importantly, teach me to love you and not love what you provide. Is he testing you? Just like he tested Philip. He already knows what he's going to do. He just wants to see what your response is going to be. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this morning. And I'm, I'm a little concerned, God, that we too lightly take this piece of Scripture God, if I'm to be honest, most of the time when I read this, I think, oh, that's cool. Jesus multiplied bread and multiplied fish and fed a lot of people. But very seldom do I think about the challenging message that it gives us. And so, God, my prayer is that we would not treat you like a great butler in the sky or some vending machine in the sky and we put our coins in and punch the right button and you give us what we want. My prayer is that we would love you for who you are. And God, we would rejoice when you do great things for us, but that's not why we love you. And God, it concerns me that the majority of people that were there when Jesus multiplied the fish and the bread. The majority of those people, as, as you begin to explain what that was about, the majority of people left. 
God, help us to not fall victim. of falling in love with the wrong Jesus. And as we continue to pray this morning, I want you to just take a moment to yourself between you and God. A blank sheet of paper. It's not your list. It's his list. What does he want you to do? Who does he want you to become? Do you love Jesus because of who he is or what you think you can get from him? Jesus, my prayer is that you would overwhelm us with your grace. That we would catch a true glimpse of who you are. That we would love you. That we would be in awe of you. That we would show you reverence. That we would speak of your greatness. And that we would be sensitive to what it is that you want to do in us and through us. And I want to thank you for the scriptures and the incredible teaching that you use with everyday objects to just show us that you want to give us living water that helps us to thirst no more, that you want to be the bread of life, that you give us new appetites. And God, as we evaluate our life from this past year and look forward to a new year, God, I pray that you would Help us to learn from our mistakes and I pray that you would help us to see the path that you would have us to walk and I pray that in this next year you would protect us from making devastating mistakes and help us learn from the mistakes that we make. And as you help us to become more like you, as you teach us to love you more, my prayer is that we would learn to love each other more. And I pray that we would always be reminded of your greatness. In your holy name we pray. Amen.